comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. together from remote galaxies are some of the most sinister podcasters of all time the long box of doom dedicated to a single objective the conquest of the comic book universe Hey everybody, it's the Long Box of Doom, episode 265, our 7th annual, can you believe it, 7th annual, What the Dudes Want for Christmas. This is Russ, and joining with me tonight are Jim and Dr. Esquire himself, Mr. Jordan from Jersey. Hopefully, Richard Chubtold Sheldon will be joining us shortly if he can uh, wade through traffic and snowstorms and God knows what else he can get to to uh, a safe internet haven. Um, But joined with us, as always, for the seventh year in a row, is Mr. Sean Pryor. Hey, thanks for having me on the uh, show once again, y'all. I really appreciate it. Seven years, that is uh, quite amazing. And uh, to be here for all seven is uh, quite a treat and joy. Uh, I am deeply honored. And uh, yeah, let's talk about some Christmas goodies. You are our own (laughs) personal Santa Claus. Oh, well, thank you. And I just want to say to anybody, whether you're gathering around the Christmas tree, the Kwanzaa Canera, the menorah, or the Festivus pole, I hope you have a good holiday. Absolutely. So if you're not familiar with the show, since it's been a while since we've done this. uh, Almost a year. A whole year, you might say. A whole year. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while since we've pulled together for an LOD recording. It's, It's been a little bit, but we've been caught up in TV land and Walking Dead land. Uh, for a while now, so it's been in schedules and holidays. And Shieldland and Flashland yeah. and all those other lands. So, yeah, I've been kind of, uh, um, it's like Voltron, though, you know? The lions can go off and fight on their own, but when they get together, it's something special. Yeah. <laughs> they're stronger, they're stronger together, you know? As long as I don't have to be the crotch part, I'm fine. <laughs> as are we all. So, what the dudes want for Christmas? What do you guys want for Christmas? Well, Sean, you're the guest, so we'll let you start off first. All right. Um, besides a peace of mind, um, without <laughs> something that... Uh, I'm I sorry, I'm down to my last piece. Oh, oh dang it. <laughs> uh, one thing that um, I, th- I, would, I would like to have, and I think um, a lot of your listeners would like to have, especially if they're fans of Ghostbusters, um, is the Lego Kuso uh, Ghostbusters set. It comes with um, you can build an ecto one um, it also has the proton packs the ghost traps and it also comes with all four ghostbusters um peter ray egon and winston and they have it's 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 really cool i i've actually been looking at this or reading about this for almost almost a year i think because uh, like Cuso, they go through that voting process to find out hey what do you want next we put these out for a small period of time and I think it came out back in October, I think. And I know right now you can get it at Toys R Us or go to ToysRUs.com and order it. It's only it's forty nine ninety nine. Uh, it'll take you a little bit to build, but it's 
it's really all it's really great. I really like it. I really do. And I'm a Lego fan um, from from afar. I'm a person that likes Legos. And and thanks to Dennis Pooh, I, I have some Legos. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have any Legos. Uh, but um, but I think it's a really cool um, collectible and also something that's really nice to play with, too. And, and whether, you know, you're a child or an adult, if you like Ghostbusters and you like Legos, it goes hand in hand. Now, are these the same guys who did that uh, Breaking Bad custom set or that Firefly custom set? Or are these um, I don't a different, know. different group? I don't, I'm not sure. The only thing I know is that this is a legitimate Lego toy. It is, it's, it's you know, 100% Lego. It's Lego approved and the whole nine. And it's just, it's, it's really nice. It really is. It's because, like, you know how they have uh, the company, there's that one company called Minimates, and they do their kind of like Lego ish type figures. Right, right. And there was like a Ghostbusters set, and almost those figures are okay, but uh, but I think Lego does a much a much better job um, with it, as far as the looks and and the accessories and and everything else. It, it looks it looks like the hearse, it, you know, it looks just like it, and and you know, and all the characters have their you know have their you know own personal characterizations, just like in the film and stuff like that. So it's really nice. You break, out, really the, nice break out the ecto cooler and kick back and enjoy some Legos, right? Yes, yes, <laughs> uh, it's it's a must-have. It really is. It's a must-have. I th- I think it's great, and hopefully, if it's still around in January and Toys R Us brings back their layaway in January, it shall go on layaway. <laughs> it it's pretty cool because fifty bucks sounds like a lot, but really, for a licensed Lego product like that, that's really not terrible. No, it's not. No. No, not at all. And especially, you know, when you compare it to a lot of the, the Marvel stuff, the DC stuff, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings Lego sets are ridiculously expensive. Star Wars are not Star cheap Wars, either. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's I saw like this, uh, like this like Star Wars mini set where it's like a, a mini Millennium Falcon, which is only like about 10 or 15 pieces. And you can just sit Han Solo on the top of it. And I saw that somewhere for 15 bucks. I'm like, a kid could put that together in two minutes. Yeah. No, on the other so, end, you have things like the Star Destroyer or the Death Star playset that are like hundreds of dollars. You know. Yeah, I don't have time to take out bank loans for Legos, y'all. I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody. You know, uh, I don't. But this for the price, it, I think it is. It is affordable for what you're getting because not only that, but it is seriously a limited time only thing. Because once it's gone, the aftermarket slash resale price on this will be ridiculous. So if you can get it, cop it now. Agreed. Jim, why don't you go next? Okay. Uh, as you guys may or may not know, I've resisted joining the new console generation so far. <laughs> mainly because I, my, my wallet has prohibited me from doing so as I have two children now. But I will say, and I will recommend because I was at my buddy's house playing it for a good solid two hours the other day, the new version, the new next-gen version of Grand Theft Auto V with... The first-person mode. And whales. And whales. I didn't see the whales, but I did play a lot of first-person mode. I even did it in the submarine. And if you're first-person in the submarine, you actually see the submarine controls and the window looking out as if you're in. If you pick up a hooker, that's in first-person now, too, uh, from inside your car. So I'll leave that to your imagination. But it kind of, it almost turns like GTA V into Skyrim in a weird way. 
they're just like so much more the the graphics are so much sharper and um i mean they had to really sharpen them up for the first person mode and uh i was over at my buddy's house on the ps4 playing it the other day and it is pretty pretty special and pretty incredible i had a lot of fun uh in first person and enough so that it makes me want to go back and play through the whole campaign all over again um once i do scrape up enough pennies to get a next-gen console which uh, probably won't be anytime soon but uh GTA 5, the new version, is definitely recommend for me uh, after having played it. And uh, I would definitely, if you you know, if you're a fan of the Grand Theft Auto series, even if you played through five, the, the, you know the the um, the graphics are so um, so much better in this version than they were were in the original. Um, the the lighting effects, the weather effects, and uh, again, the first person mode just makes it almost like a whole new game. It just turns almost in, turns it literally into a first person shooter. Um, uh, Plus, I mean, they added facial animations. So when you're talking to like Trevor or one of the other characters in first person, you can see them speak or whatever. Um, it just it makes the world much more uh, fun to explore too. Um, so that would be my first recommendation. And it would be the new version of Grand Theft Auto V for the new consoles for the uh, for the PS4 and for the Xbox One, and soon to be coming to high end PCs as well. And uh, also coming in January. Uh, for all the P, uh, for all uh, versions of GTA Five, online heists. Yeah, uh, I saw that. Played, yeah, if you played GTA Five, the high, one of the highlights of that, or one of the highlights of that game were the different heists uh, that you have to put together, which are like multi-stage missions uh, where you have to get everything together and get everything ready and get the right people together and, and the right equipment, and then finally pull off you know a big job that is taking you like five or six smaller missions to put together, and uh, they're going to be doing that online with groups of four. Uh, with new new clothes, new skins for people, and um, I, I I can't wait to play online heists. The heists were like the the most fun part of that game for me. And I I thought there'd be I think there were only like maybe six or seven in the body of the game. There aren't yeah. that many. I um, think there might even be less than that. It might only yeah, be like four or five. five. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember I remember being disappointed that there weren't more. So I mean, they, this is something they've been talking about doing for a long time. Um, they're adding new vehicles, new weaponry, uh, and all VTOLs. Yes, I know that looks nice. awesome. Uh, the trailer is up online if you guys want to see it. Um, so that, that's gonna be available for all platforms though, starting uh, in January after the PC version comes out. So, um, Jim, uh, a quick question for you because, um, like, I've I've been out of the console game for a while too. I mean, as far as especially with, with especially with games, I mean, I still have a xbox 360 that i seldom get to play i think i still haven't finished the first lego batman yet that's how far behind i am um but as far as there being a graphical difference between the ps4 um the xbox one and the pc version and in, in your eyes which one do you think is the best version to get it depends on if you have a beefy enough pc to handle all the new shaders and graphics and everything that they've added to it then pc would probably be the way to go because then you get a lot of cool mods and stuff down the road um, grand theft auto is a huge modding community and they mm-hmm. end up you know doing all kinds of mods to the game as a game but only on the pc version um the this is the first game i've really seen or played you know myself uh, uh that in the next gen that really wowed me graphically i mean a lot of the things I've seen have just been like a lot of upreses or HD versions of older games, things like that. Um, this version of GTA Five really did, you know, just kind of blow me away and made me realize, ah, this is a new console generation after all, you know. 
But um, if if you have a beefy enough PC to run it, I would say get it on PC. But uh, if not, I played it on the PS4. I, I'm from you know quick views I've seen or whatever. They really have graphically no major difference between the two because the architecture mm-hmm. inside the boxes now is so similar. Okay. So, um, I mean, I would I would if you have a good enough PC to run it, I would hold off and get the PC version because, like I said, then you're open up to the modding community and you have a lot more. You'll get a lot more gameplay out of it as you know, as time goes on. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Jordan? Alrighty, so for my first uh, what I want, it's stretching the the realms of credulity into uh, things I can't afford by a a long stretch of the imagination, but the thing I actually have in that category is much more expensive, so this one's going in here. This is the brand new, it's not even out yet, they're only offering for pre-sale, Ruby figure by 3-0 for the web series Ruby, R-W-B-Y, made by Rooster Teeth, the guys who brought you Red vs. Blue and many, many other fine, funny internet productions. Um, This figure is $168, and it is gorgeous. I'm not an anime fan in general, um, but this uh, Americanized, if you will, anime is gorgeous, has the most amazing fight scenes you've ever seen, and this figure is just striking. The detail... Um, it really looks like it jumped right off the screen. Like the facial detail in particular, I don't know if I've ever seen a 3D representation of a two-dimensional model work so well before. And just all the little accessories, it's kind of like one of those Hot Toys figures you'd see um, where, you know, you got the interchangeable hands and the different weapon pieces and, you know, superposable and all that kind of stuff. It is just a gorgeous figure. They've had little, I don't even know if you can call them maquettes, previously for a few of the characters but this one really just blows them out of the water they're fine looking this is cool it almost looks like the cloak is is it like wireframed or something because just looking at the image of it it looks like you could pose the cloak uh as well as the i figure. think so there are two different cloaks actually right you get the long one and the short one and yeah judging by the images it looks uh looks like it has wireframes but it doesn't say for sure yeah, but yeah it, real cloth all that kind of stuff yeah, just the way that the that it changes shape. Well, I guess it always. And I don't is... know if you, I don't know if you guys have watched any of Ruby, but if no. you look in the image, it shows you everything. Like the the red gun she holds, that's what transforms into that scythe. It's oh. a sniper rifle scythe. That's crazy, and it's awesome. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'll have to send you a link to some of the fight scenes sometime because it's just it's. No, I checked love. it out after you spoke about it last time, and I think I saw like the first few episodes, but I haven't followed up on it. Looked, yeah, we, we talked though, about I mean, it once or twice here, and then on Jersey Shore plenty of times. But right. uh, nice. Yeah, this is actually this is re- this is really nice. Yeah, I, I have to admit, yeah, that's uh, very well put together. The accessories are great. Oh, cool! They give like you know the different types of like uh, hands, and mm-hmm. you can switch up the hands and fists. Yeah, that's that's really cool. It's it's kind of like a uh, advanced or like uh, or like twelve inch. Uh, sh figure arts uh type of uh type of design so yeah this is really cool i really like this yeah yeah and it's since nice. you mentioned i did say the height but it is a 12 inch figure so uh, yeah. yes i'm very very thought that was very cool looking when they announced that the other day but uh, at 168 dollars it's uh, it's something i'd want but not something i'd ever be likely to get yeah cool what do you have russ i i guess i will go next uh so first on my list of stuff I want is uh, I'll, I'll I'll stay on Jim, uh, Jim's video game train, um, and I will say a PlayStation Four. I think I think 
over the last year, it's finally gotten to the point where even even though the games I don't think are there yet, everything has been pushed to like early 2015. So I think I'm ready to have one to set things up to where when the games start coming out, I would actually have the console uh, to play them. But at this point, if I have my choice, I've always been kind of a Sony guy, so I always kind of lean in that direction, although I end up always getting them both. But uh, if I had to choose one right now, it'd probably be the PlayStation 4. Uh, so that that's that's on my want. Not out of the realm of possibility, but not in the extreme immediate future either. So, Yeah, I'm, I, I think Witcher 3 is probably going to be the game that forces me to get a new console that just looks too cool to pass up and i love the witcher 2 a lot so yeah mr Pryor, back to you okay all right let's uh let's switch it up a bit let's uh remove ourselves from the world of lego and let us talk about let's go let's go let's go towards the books um this is a very special book well at least for me um because as a child um, having these toys um, were really something special to have. Uh, Transformers, uh, you know, the first generation of Transformers toys in the eighties, and, and <clears throat> the real and Transformers. One of the cool things, not the Michael Bay Transformers, the real Transformers. <laughs> well, yeah, we we have hit we have hit a major generational gap. Um, this is one of the things from our childhood that's now advanced itself into many incarnations. And My personal incarnation is Beast Wars, for instance. <laughs> and I like Beast Wars too. That was a great cartoon, man. Yes, it oh, was. Yeah. So many, so many different phases of uh, of Transformers. But the one thing I loved as a kid about the trans about Transformers toys was the packaging. Um, like the artwork, I always thought was really really cool, and the you know the artwork, the design, the layout, um, you know the uh, the cards on the back with like the energy meters. Yep. All this really, all this really cool stuff. Well, there's a book out uh, by uh, Jim Sorensen and Bill Forster uh, called Transformers Legacy: The Art of Transformers Packaging, and it, right now it retails. It's a hardcover. It retails on Amazon for thirty two fifty one, and it has um, it has from what from what I'm reading right here it says Legacy collects hundreds of beautifully airbrushed paintings from the iconic first decade of the Transformers. Hasbro, Takara, where Transformers originally came from, and private collectors opened their archives, yielding an unparalleled level of quality. Essays and interviews from the original illustrators give unprecedented insight into the process behind the art. The book is chock full of extras, including never-before-seen artwork from toys that never were, original design sketches, catalog artwork, and more. And I want very, very bad. Um, it's, it's a beautiful book. As a matter of fact, I forgot to uh, send you gentlemen the link. As a matter of fact, let me uh, send, send that to you now. Um, it has the cover and the cover is actually from one of the, um, original promotional posters that fold up promotional posters that would come out, come with a toy. If you got like a deluxe size, you know, transformer. So I'm really stoked about this book. I'm, I'm a big fan of art. I'm a big fan of design. And, and you know and things like that. So this is definitely a book for me. It's on my wish list on Amazon. So if one day if I can't get it, maybe I might get lucky and somebody might just you know say, hey, here you go, be happy. Go sit in the corner and shush. But um, it's <laughs> definitely it's definitely something that's on my wish list. Yeah, that's really gorgeous. 
Yeah, I remember yeah. that that black the black boxes with that like graph paper uh, background and just really cool eighties aesthetic. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh no, it's 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 great. I mean, it's absolutely positively great. I, and I think the thing is, is that um, for especially for like for like you know people that are like in in the business of comic books, whether you're an artist, whether you're you know artist or you're just the main publisher, whatever you do. Like advertising is always essential, and I think I think like getting this book it's also a study in advertising, as to you know how things should look, how things should how things should resonate, how things are supposed to catch the eye. Well, granted, the Transformers model was more than meets the eye, so there you go. But um, I think it's it's a good book in the art of as far as in the eighties, the art of selling. And um, I can't like I said I can't wait to have this book. Well, speaking since we're talking about books, we're bringing out the big guns here. This is something that was just announced recently. Uh, it will be coming out in the coming year, uh, but mm-hmm. you can pre-order it now. I sent you guys the link. It's the Marvel Superheroes box set of Secret Wars. Um, it is. What? It, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten volume set. In a box with wrap, new wraparound art from, uh, I think it's Paul Neary. Huh. Um, yeah, the Battle World. is The outside is Alex Ross's rendition of of, uh, of Secret Wars. And uh, it's got, well, here, here I'll give you the whole rundown. Secret, it's got uh, the Marvel Superhero Secret Wars, the preview, the lead, all the stuff leading up to Secret Wars. Um, all the issues of the thing that took place in Battleworld. Secret Wars 1, 2, and 3. A special Secret Wars supplement of all the tie-ins to Secret Wars 2. Going all the way to Avengers Illuminati number 3. Uh, Secret War 1 through three, one through 5. Um, Dwayne McDuffie's Beyond miniseries, which was really great. And the what-ifs that tied to Secret Wars. And then a special hardcover, all of behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, called Behind the Secret Wars, or Behind the Scenes Premiere. And uh, it's kind of pricey, because, I mean, it's 10 hardcover books, but it's a really cool set. I mean, this is total definition of shelf porn. Uh, <laughs> the um, <laughs> um, Marvel did a similar thing to this called Marvel Famous Firsts, uh, 75th Anniversary Masterworks uh, slipcase. And it had the first volumes of uh, our Captain America, Daredevil, Doctor Strange, like all the core books in the Marvel Universe, all in uh, hardcover masterworks that fit together in another box set that looked like the old school Avengers Mansion from the 60s. Um, that retails for $360 right now. So I imagine this uh, Secret War set will probably be in the same ballpark, if not you know, right on there. But um, if you're a fan of Secret Wars from back in the day, I know I was when I was a kid. Um, this would be, I mean, this is, I mean, it would look so good up on the shelf. I'm almost a little upset that they didn't wait till after Hickman's Secret Wars came out. So that could be included as well. Right. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I'm sure it'll get some of us. Yeah. Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Amazon has it. Go ahead, Russell. Sorry. Amazon has it for 387 currently. Right. And it's not shipping until June of 2015. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's a cool way to look back on that, you know, milestone of Marvel history. Now that they're going forward with this new Secret Wars, um, I don't know. Looks pretty badass to me. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 really cool. I mean, now granted, with Secret Wars two, all the the crossovers are cool. I enjoyed the crossovers, but the miniseries, as we all know, that was well, not, not it best. is what it is. Yeah, it wasn't not, the best. It wasn't the best. <laughs> But uh, but the, the crossovers were really nice. Um, you know, the original Marvel superhero Secret Wars. You, you know, you got the classic Mike Zek artwork. Uh, then you also have uh, like an issue where Bob Layton came in and, and quietly did some work, and um, just all types of just really great stuff. But like this extra material, like uh, things Battle World, and um, the whole uh, behind the scenes and and just. It's, it's it's really cool. I, it's expensive though. Now, if Amazon had layaway, I get it. <laughs> but um, but no, it's 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 not bad. That that's not bad. I mean, the price is high. The price is high. I'm not saying that's not bad. That is rough. But as far as the amount of material you're getting, you're getting a lot of material. Oh yeah. For that money. Yeah, I, I, it's out of my ballpark for sure. But it'd definitely be something I'd put on my wish list, and you know. Maybe someday. I, I, the only thing I, the only way I collect comics anymore, either um, like you know, omnibuy or hardcovers, I can put on my shelf or digitally. So um, that would be. Oh, and uh, yeah, what what Russ has coming up too would fit quite well. Yeah, <laughs> in that, yeah. In that description. <laughs> Jordan. All right, so my next one is a twofer. Uh, I'm also going to go with comic books, and it's also more on the expensive side here. Uh, but it is, uh, I, and I might even mention this last year, or one of us may have last year. But now that both of them are out, I want both of them, and that is uh, the Fantastic Forge by Jonathan Hickman Omnibus, Omnibus rather, volumes one and two. Volume one came out in 2013. Volume two just came out in November, right, right at the end of November, and. Uh, uh, the first one, at least on Amazon, is seventy-five bucks, and the second is one hundred and five bucks. But uh, as anyone who's listened to this show any pretty much any time in the last few years knows, uh, it's one of my favorite you know, runs on any comic ever. Um, it's you know the last issue of FF is the only one to have ever brought me to tears of anything I've ever read, and uh, you know comic prose doesn't matter. And there's a gorgeous presentation, and I just want to get my hands on them. Yeah, I. Uh... I've kind of fallen off the uh, kind of regular ordering comic book train lately just due to a bunch of stuff. Um, so th- both of these have kind of slipped through my fingers, which irritates me because I think I think technically the first volume is out of print, but the price hasn't gone ridiculous. Uh, and I think the second one maybe had a lower run number. So um second volumes generally do so yeah yeah makes sense so i think it's one of those if you plan on getting it um i I would hope that marvel would keep these in print somewhat regularly just because hickman's kind of the new hotness over at marvel and that run is so well regarded that if the if the aftermarket is crazy for it i would hope that they would go back to press on it uh and resolicit to you know to, to get it in people's hands instead of having to pay you know, hundreds of dollars, you know, for it. It's weird about what they print and what they don't as far as the omnibus editions though, uh, go, though. You know, it's hard to tell sometimes what they'll come with and what they won't. Like, I think they're like second printing on Axis of Vengeance or something I read the other day. Huh. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. As anybody that's been listening to the show for a while knows, and as you listen further, you'll, you'll, get another wind of it. I, I kind of have a, an affinity for ridiculous sized, uh, books, both omnibuses, 
um, and just ridiculous size uh, books, art books, whatever. Uh, and I, I'm really a huge fan of the IDW Artist Edition. Um, I've got currently I have two of them. I've got the uh, Daredevil Born Again, and I've got the uh, first volume of the John Byrne Fantastic Four. Um, but this one slipped past me, and I was really upset about it. Although ordering it through DCBS or any place else in advance doesn't really save you that much money, maybe like 10%, just because these things are kind of print to order. Um, but you can get it on IDW's website, and it's the Marvel Covers Artist Edition um, book. And so this is this is um, 144 pages of nothing but covers. Uh, and it's got, I guess it's presented in alphabetical order, I mean, it's got everybody from John Buscema to Art Adams to Frank Miller to Jack Kirby, George Perez, Jim Starlin, Neil Adams. Uh, and there's there's some really, really cool stuff in here. And it's all, you know, just various covers. And again, it's done in the IDW Artist Edition style of, uh, you know, the, the full artboards are scanned in color, even though the, the artboards themselves are in black and white. So you get all of the the weathering and the wearing and any notes or blue lines or, uh, you know, whatever else is on there. Uh, and they're just stunning. I mean, I really, uh, I, I really appreciate being able to look at the original art as it was, you know, before it was, you know, anything was done to it and it was put on press. Um, and so just to have 144 different covers, uh, throughout the Marvel universe and throughout its history, is pretty stunning, especially when there's several Art Adams covers, because Art Adams is probably, uh, if not my favorite artist of all time, is definitely in my top three probably artists of all time. Uh, and you know, the, he's just one of those guys that, w- if his name is on a book, it'll just draw me towards it and and have me pick it up, if nothing else, just to look at how awesome it is. Uh, so so given the fact that I could actually look at uh, some Art Adams covers, uh, you know unaltered, you know, uncolored, uh, you know, in their original form is, is pretty impressive. So, uh, that's, that's definitely on my high on my list of stuff to, to catch up with. Yeah. Those artist editions. I mean, I've got the born again one. It's the only one I've really been able to afford. I bought it right when it came out. Um, cause it's one of my favorite, you know, stories of all time, but I would love to have some of these, the Steranko, the, the, um, Simonson, yes. uh, Thor, and also the Simonson Manhunter. Yeah. Which is a great yeah. run of his. Um, I mean, there, I mean, I wish my, my wallet was big enough I could afford more of them. You know, I would love to have a bookshelf just uh, sized for these books because they're they're incredible. I mean, I've read Born Again dozens and dozens of times, but once I got the artist edition, it kind of gave me a whole new appreciation for the layout, the way the book was drawn, you know, just all kinds of things. Just from that having that artifact kind of uh, uh, quality uh, stuff in front of you is is. It's pretty cool. Now, um, don't they also have some Jack Kirby artist edition books? Yeah, they there's do. one of the New Gods. Uh, isn't there one of Mister Miracle on the way? Uh, yeah, and there's. I'm trying to think, I'm I'm looking. Yeah, there's the, the New Gods. Silver Surfer is really sweet too. I would love to have that. Yes, yes, yeah. The New Gods uh, is out. Yeah, so there's a New Gods. Um, there's. Um, Trying to think if there's another one. I think that's that's the only one I see. You know, some of these are, are out of print as well. I mean, they've they've kind of cleaned up their website a bit. For a while, they kind of had a lot of the stuff that was out of print on there as well. Um, 
but but everything on there right now is is showing is in print. Um, there's there's a Watchmen artifact edition, which would be awesome to to have. The Will Eisner Spirit artist edition is like ridiculously sized. It's 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 enormous. I've seen it. Uh, Austin Books has has a copy of it. And it's it it's bigger than any. I mean, artist editions in in and of themselves are huge. This thing is huge, even for an artist edition book. I mean, it's it's obnoxiously large. Yeah, I, I my local uh, comic store has a uh, the John Romita Spider Man artist edition there, and uh, I've coveted it many a time. <laughs> yeah, and I think they're going to do a volume two of that, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's an that's one that's. That's going to get a second volume, if if I'm not mistaken. But other than you know probably five or six more hours in the day, um, that that's really all I had on my uh, I'm high on my want list. Five or six more hours in the day. You're not asking yeah. for a whole lot, huh? No, no, <laughs> no. I'd rather have five or six more hours of the night to be more sleep. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Jim, the the volume two of the Remedia edition is is available. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a I had a real dilemma. I usually I'm allowed to pick out like one uh, thing for um, for Christmas. Uh, I was going. To, I think this year it's going to be the Marvel Cinematic Universe Volume One uh, Blu-ray set. Good choice. But but the two rivals that I had before that that just came out. First of all, are the the Batman sixty six. A Blu-ray set. I don't know if uh, you guys yes. have seen that or not. Yes, yes. Oh yeah, but I've seen that. Yes, it looks it looks great. Not only is the restoration like fantastic, but the box and the packaging is really cool. There are tons of extras, interviews, all kinds of things. And my daughter and I watch on uh, MeTV uh, on digital antenna. We watch uh, the Batman '66 um, series every Saturday, pretty much. Um, they have that, and then Wonder Woman, and then it's time for her to go to bed. But uh, I've been rewatching them probably for the first time since I was a kid. And they're a lot more fun than I remember. They're a lot goofier than I remember. Um, and I would love to have the the, the Blu-ray set of that. They're, like I said, the restoration is so so good compared to the broadcast versions I've been watching um, that it, it would be worth it just to have to to play that instead of you know watching it on digital antenna with my daughter because they have the original you know broadcast syndication versions that they're showing. Um, the other Blu-ray set that I really struggled with against the the Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe was. Um, they finally have released Cowboy Bebop, like one of the few animes that I really, really love, uh, on in a complete Blu-ray set, um, with all 26 what? episodes. Yeah, all 26 episodes remastered for Blu-ray, commentary tracks on almost every episode from the uh, voice artist and from um, and from the creators. Um, it is super duper sweet. Aaron Newworth had a, a review and a breakdown on it the other day because I think he got it for Hanukkah actually. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's if you haven't checked out Cowboy Bebop, it's one of the best animes ever made. And I am not a huge anime guy by any stretch of the imagination. Sean, I think we're back to you. If you have a if you have a third, oh yes, yes I do, yes I do. And I'm going to go back to the world of Hasbro, and it's and it's another book. Um, and actually, it is a great book. It came out this August. Um, it's a hardcover. Uh, for $16.52 on Amazon.com. Um, oh, do y'all still have that link on the HHWLOD page if you click on Amazon and like y'all get like um, a little bonus if anybody orders through Amazon through the site? Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. True. I wanted to plug that. Okay, good. Because a lot, a lot of stuff I've talked about. No, it's no problem. A lot of stuff that we talked about today is on Amazon. So absolutely. Um, but if you go to Amazon, if you go, you go through the HHWLOD site, click on the Amazon link. Um, you know, the HHWLOD family gets a little kickback. Um, but get this book, if, especially if you are a G.I. Joe fan. G.I. Joe Silent Interlude 30th Anniversary Edition. Um, it is one of the coolest um, anniversary books um, I've, I've, ever, I've ever bought. Um, it's one of my favorite G.I. Joe issues of all time. It was actually the second G.I. Joe comic I ever bought. And I still have it. And it, the, the book, it's on the comic, the original comic I have is on its last legs, but it's, it's, it's hanging in there for dear life. And I'm going to read what Amazon, what Amazon says uh, about this uh, hardcover anniversary edition for the si- silent interlude um, issue. G.I. Joe. No, wait a minute. This silent is the episode. I'm, real quick. This is the episode with, um, with uh, Storm Shadow. Where there's yes. there there's no dialogue at all in the entire issue is written by Larry Hama that one. Yes, yes, it's okay. the Snake Eyes issue. It's sn- you get snake, snake Eyes. eyes. I'm sorry. Yeah, you, yeah, you get Snake Eyes, Scarlet, Storm Shadow, Destro, and Baroness. And I think you get like a little appearance by Cobra Commander too. Um, but um, it says here the story that defined a generation, GI Joe number twenty one, remastered from the original art and lovingly recolored to the highest of contemporary standards. This wordless issue introduced the world to Snake Eyes, Snake Eyes's mysterious nemesis, Storm Shadow, and his era—I can never say era Shikaji. There we go, era Shikaji ninja, and they've never looked better. Plus, catch an unprecedented glimpse of Larry Hama's original layouts and Steve Leo's Leo. Dang, I'm mispronouncing names left and right. Leo Loa's finishes and a look behind the scenes of the comics creation and at its enduring le- legacy contains all new commentary by Larry Hama. I bought this for a friend uh, f- for the holidays and I must say it is gorgeous. I'm normally not a fan of recolorings. Uh, those who will be pur- uh, purchasing Marvel's uh, recoloring of the original Star Wars series. Look at that as an example, because no offense to those that worked hard on it. It does not look good at all. Anyway, um this the recoloring looks gorgeous absolutely positively gorgeous from head to toe and i can't recommend this enough this is a great comic if you if you want to learn how to do sequentials if you want to learn how to do storytelling you need this book you really do and if you just want to look at a beautiful book that tells a story without words and yet probably does more in its 20 something pages than most books do in trade paperbacks Read this; it's worth every single penny. Now, correct and, uh, me if I'm expert. wrong. Didn't Dave Walker do a commission for you of that cover, like a, a, a recreation of that cover? Yes, yes, he did. I got that as a gift, and it's framed, and um, I love it. Yeah, absolutely, positively love. It. That's that's how much like that comic has like touched me. So um, I can't recommend this book enough. It's a classic. So for sixteen dollars and fifty two cents for a hardcover. Um, especially with the bonus material, it's well worth it. I would recommend uh, getting it. Yes. Nice. Jim, you have a you have a third. Yeah, I'm getting ready to do something uh, starting in January that I haven't done for a very very long time, and that is run a game of Dungeons and Dragons. And in my preparation for said uh, endeavor, 
I've been getting acquainted with the fifth uh, um, um, fifth edition uh, rule set, which is the latest edition of Dungeons and Dragons, and it brings back a lot of the core gameplay from the original D and D, and it takes away a lot of the I guess people call it the MMO RPGness of the fourth edition. The fourth edition, I think, was trying to um, align itself with like things like World of Warcraft and stuff, and kind of got away from uh, some of the stuff that makes D and D like really cool and special of its own. So uh, I've I uh, got the uh, the fifth um, edition rules. I've been reading them and I really like them so far. They, I, it seems like it's going to really like improve the gameplay. And uh, make it a more fun experience. They uh, so far they have out the player's handbook, the monster manual, uh, the dungeon master's guide, uh, a starter set for people who just you know want to play uh, and check it out, and then an, an adventure called Horde of the Dragon Queen. And um, fifth edition rules, like I said, have only they were play tested for quite a long time before they came out. And now that now that they're out, I'm, t- I'm acquainting myself with them now, and. Um, Finding that I really like them a lot, so I'm I'm really looking forward to running this campaign later on uh, in January. But that's my next uh, my next recommend would be the Dungeons and Dragons uh, Fifth Edition rule set. Nice. Uh, if you're into some RPG fun, and uh, even if you've been out of it for a while, like when when I got back into it just a few years ago, I hadn't really played since the original Dungeons and Dragons, you know, the very first edition. Uh, um, the player's handbook that I used to get busted in high school for carrying around uh, with my school books. So uh, uh, getting back into it was kind of kind of uh, a strange experience. But the fifth edition is really easy to uh, easy to get into, and and the rules aren't uh, they don't contradict one another. They aren't like really you know deep and and, uh, and rules bound. It just seems like it's going to be like a really uh, you know easily played system. So I'm. Uh, that's that's my next recommend. I guess would be the the Dungeon Master's Guide and then the other books for the uh, the fifth uh, edition of Dungeons and Dragons from TSR Wizards of the Coast. Nerd cough. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hi, Pot. I'm the kettle. <laughs> now, as an adult, Jim, who will you have to give you wedges and swirlies while you're carrying around this book? I am six five and three hundred pounds. No <laughs> one gives me wedges and or swirlies. Exactly. But, no, um, we'll put but, somebody through a table. But but, <laughs> but um, actually, the, the the people I'm going to be playing with, the one guy is um, a uh, um, a, a good uh, my my wife's best friend's husband. He makes mead, so we're going to be getting really drunk off mead while we're playing. Um, oh, nice. You know, I'm a chef, so of course I'll you know have a bunch of food out. And um, just a bunch of us are going to get like maybe you know six or seven of us here at the farmhouse, and uh, once a month, and get our D and D on, you know. Yeah, I've never actually played D and D, but I have recently been really getting into D and D podcasts. Oh yeah, and, uh, and like YouTube nerd, nerd shows. poker. Kind of, yeah, uh, but it's it's really fun to watch other people play it, especially when some of them have like more of a a comedy bent to them than just strict role playing. Right. Um, like the adventure zone podcast and stuff like that. But, uh, so I, I poke fun, but, uh, that, that does sound very cool. Yeah. Brian Posehn has a podcast called, um, uh, nerd poker on Earwolf that, uh, is basically his campaign. It's pretty hilarious. And then, uh, um, new mutant, uh, Alan actually has a show he's part of called Douglas and dragons. <laughs> That's uh, a D and D campaign, uh, podcast. So, yeah, it's pretty fun. Very cool. 
I don't have a third either, so we can go back to uh, Sean. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Let me. Uh, let Some me... of us did our homework. <laughs> I got a bunch of stuff and recommendations. Just I don't really want anything. That's all. Yeah. Um, okay. My last one. Um, my, my, as far as as far as like just non recommendations, but a, a want. Um, as you can tell, I'm a big fan of books. Um, this one is yet another book. It deals with something else from the '80s, from my childhood. Um, it is, it is Voltron from days of long ago, a 30th anniversary celebration. And it is basically a detailed look of how Voltron came to the, came to the United States and how, and how it's still, you know, still somewhat culture, culturally relevant to this day. And features include archival images, exclusive interviews, uh, the complete robust catalog and a brand new materials exclusively made for the book. Um, so like a bunch of design stuff, um, all the behind the scenes stuff, I would, I would call it akin to like the Marvel vault books, but with like all, without all the stuff you can pull out and look at like, you know, like little trinkets and whatnot. Um, it retails as a hardcover for 2267. There's also a, a Kindle version of it. Cause I'm once again going through amazon.com. Remember to go to HHWLOD. <laughs> remember to go to HHWLOD.com. Click on the Amazon link and order this book there. Um, but uh, you can get the Kindle version for only ten forty nine, and I am really tempted to just do that tonight and, and tell myself Merry Christmas. So, <laughs> for so for those that are big fans of uh, of things from the eighties, as a matter of fact, I think the f- four things I talked about were all around between like eighty four or eighty five, almost thirty years ago. Uh, so that's all that stuff's coming back around again. Uh, this will be a great book to have. And because uh, like with a lot of these art of books or um, behind the scenes books, once they go out of print, the aftermarket price is just ridiculous. So get it while you can. Yeah, it's cool, too, when they take the extra mile to like actually do some archival research along with that kind of stuff. And yeah. they don't just all you know, slap it all in a book and say, here you go, you know. Um, yeah, it, it makes it it makes it worthwhile. And. And like, at least it's a way of saying, listen, we really appreciate the fact that this still has a fan base. So let's actually do something that's worth a damn. You know, you know what I mean? It's like I, I just I just appreciate that that stuff like this exists. I mean, when we when we were kids, you know, things that were probably like 20 years old or whatnot, they didn't have books like this. You know, we had fanzines. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Starlog. You know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, which is available like through like. Like the uh, Internet Archive, you can get every single star log. I saw that this week. You can just download them as download them as PDFs. Like, what kind of crack cocaine is that? I know that is madness. (laughs) It's one of those things. That's like uh, that's like the Internet equivalent of driving of of flying your spaceship a little too close to a black hole. (laughs) 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 Because once I get past that event horizon of going to that star log page, I will never return. (laughs) Not for a long time. So. It's just it's it's madness. But the fact that like, you know, we've gone from fanzines to actual legitimate, you know, compilations and, you know, celebration books that actually have a vast plethora of material inside that's worthwhile. It's amazing. So, you know, if you can get these books, get them while you can, because they may not always be around or go to your library and check them out at least. Um, You know, they may they may inspire you. So, yeah. So that was my fourth one. Well, I am, I am out of 
things I want. I just had those those couple few things uh, that I talked about. So that that I'm I'm tapped out there, uh, Jim. I don't know if you had anything else on the on the want I side had a, before. I had, a, I, had a, I had a dream thing that uh, I, I could never have. I was um, lucky enough to, uh, not too long ago to be to be uh, to be friends with a guy who does a, uh, a video podcast on on the YouTube called Classic Game Room, and uh, I got to go over to his place, and he. Uh, Guy named Mark Burnus, super nice guy, and uh, he's got a whole like giant garage storage area um, set up with old school video games. Um, he's got like twelve arcade setups. Wow! Um, all the old consoles that you know, all the ones that I have, plus more that I wish I had. I've only ever seen in magazines at some point. Um, really incredible stuff. So. I know you're not supposed to cover your neighbor's goods, but (laughs) (laughs) if I had, you know, like one impossible shot, I know last year I said I wanted to sit down Atari uh, Star Wars arcade game. I'm going to go a little bigger this time and say that I want his collection. Nice. So we talked about the selfish side of, of, of the group here. So what about the non-selfish side? What about things that we'd recommend for spouses or significant others or uh, you know friends, family, children, whatever. What 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 are some what are some? Let's talk about some things we'd recommend for for people like us, for people not like us to buy. Hmm. Let's see. Who wants to go first? I'll uh I'll go first this time. Okay. So we kind of handed around. At this, um, but this is something actually. I it came via UPS yesterday. I actually just opened it up today. I plan on putting an unboxing video up on the uh, YouTube channel, which we'll link on the website and Facebook at some point because it's just really cool to be able to see through or, or see it through. Is the uh, the Marvel uh, 75 years of Marvel from Golden Age to Silver Screen? And uh, by Tashin Books, and this is one of those. Uh, Tashin put out a 75th anniversary by Paul Levitz. Uh, the the Marvel one is done by Roy Thomas, uh, and again, it's a book so big it has to it has a uh, it has a handle on it. Um, it it's really really cool. Um, you know, Tashin really just goes the extra mile on putting this together. Um, it, the the ages are separated out by uh, like foil covered pages that are you know gold silver uh, bronze and, and so and then modern age as well. Uh, there's a five page double sided I can't even call it a fold out because it actually is removed um, from the book, but it's like a timeline of everything uh, on there that that comes out of the book. Um, but it's it's just really cool. It's a little pricey. Um, you can get it on Amazon. Um, but it's it's like I said, if you're a fan of art books, if you're a fan of just you know big kind of, I'd say a coffee table book. But this is almost a book big enough to be a coffee table um, <laughs> in and of itself. Um, just like I said with the with the DC one, you know you could easily uh, you know kill the, kill a small human with this book. Um, but it's just it's just really cool. I mean, the reproductions of the covers and of uh, specific pages, uh, you know, there's original art pages in there as well. Uh, and it's probably a good probably five to six hundred pages uh, long. 
and you know just the narrations, uh, a lot of uh, insights into Marvel um, with it, and it's just it's just a really really cool uh, conversation piece if nothing else. So uh, you know, if, like I said, if you're if somebody's a big fan of Marvel, uh, a big fan of, of of books and art books in general, Tashin uh, puts out a just incredibly top notch uh, piece of work. Yeah, they do all kinds of uh, books of collectibles. I know I have a book of uh, uh, old vinyl covers from the 60s and 70s um, that they put out, and it's like over like a thousand different album covers. And they're a pretty pretty cool publisher, and I've seen the DC uh, book in the wild. I have yet to see the Marvel one, but I just figured you, know, you put those two together, put your Wolverine Adamantium edition on top as a roof, and you could have a new house. <laughs> yeah, and a couple artist editions up next to it, and I'll be in good shape. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all said now you can have a summer house and, and a regular house. It's yeah, great. yeah, yeah. A valuable house. Yeah, no doubt. Once those go off market, once those go off market, man, that's like a million dollar home. Yeah, it's funny because the DC book is going on Amazon for like one eighty five, one ninety, uh, and that was Jeez. a yeah, that was and and that was similar to the Marvel one. I think it was like one twenty, one twenty five, uh, when it when it was brand new. And uh, this one was about the same. It was like I think it was one eighteen. I think for the for the Marvel one, uh, and then uh, Amazon was running like a holiday sale code, so I got like ten bucks off that, which basically paid for the tax. Uh, and then having Prime shipping is awesome because I didn't have to pay to have it shipped. Yeah, yes. I can't imagine what would the shipping have been on that if you had to pay for yeah, it. It weighs a ton. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> Um, something, something that I would, uh, that, um, I would like say, for instance, like, you know, recommend to, uh, like, you know, to a family, um, especially like if they have young kids and they're trying to like bridge a generational gap as far as cartoons go, depending now, granted with all, all the uh, streaming services available, uh, Netflix, Hulu plus, uh, Amazon prime, um, crack, you know, crackle, all this, all this other stuff. Um, this may be available. It may not be though. Um, there is an actual, um, there is an actual, um, I'm sorry, and no, I'm tongue-tied. Apologies. These DVDs are still available, but they'll probably be out of print or hard to find probably within the next six months or year because they've been out for a while. But if you want to find this thing that bridges the gap between, like, say, for instance, the Looney Tunes cartoons we watched as kids and the Looney Tunes of today... Although I really, di- I really did enjoy that Looney Tunes series that was on Cartoon Network for about two years. I thought it was great. Um, they still have the Duck Dodgers Season 1 and Season 2 DVDs available. They're very inexpensive. I think you could probably get both for under 20 bucks. So, you know, and those, and those cartoons are hilarious. And it's, you know, it's, it's classic Looney Tunes, but it's, just, it's, more, it's a little bit more contemporary. Plus, Duck Dodgers is a ridiculous character anyway. Um, I think that was probably one of Warner Brothers, Warner Brother, Warner Brothers anima- Warner Brother animations, um, hidden gems. Like, yeah, Cartoon Network promoted it enough, but still, it's still a hidden gem. And for the longest time, it wasn't available on DVD, and then they finally put it out. But um, I just think it's something that's great. I think it's something that the whole family can watch and enjoy. So uh, yeah, I would I would you know make that a, as a recommendation. Yeah, my daughter just uh, discovered the Animaniacs, and uh, that that's been really fun for her. Uh, 
they're watching their antics. So this, I'm sure I could move her straight to the, from that to Dr. Dodgers probably. Oh, oh yeah. And, and like even Pinky and the Brain or mm-hmm. uh, the very, very absurd uh, Freakazoid, which, oh, <laughs> which is one of my favorites. I love Freakazoid. Uh, yeah, they, they just hey, 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 that hey, cartoon. Freakazoid, do you want to go to Spamoni Land? <laughs> Do I? Do I? <laughs> I must I succeed. Enjoy it so much. <laughs> yeah, um, I have another book recommendation actually, and I, I actually uh, this is a, an audio book for me. Um, the, that's the way I experienced it, but it was really cool and interesting. I really enjoyed it a lot. Uh, it's called Console Wars. Uh, the book's by Blake J. Harris, and the the title is Console Wars: Sega, Nintendo, and the Battle That Defined a Generation. And it is all about the intense uh, marketing battle between Sega and Nintendo in the 90s, uh, between the uh, Ninten- you know, Nintendo and Super Nintendo uh, versus the Master System and the Genesis. And there's some really cool stories in there, uh, a lot of really funny things I did not expect to, to, to learn about, about the whole situation, about the things that they did and uh, approaches that they took. And then a lot of these uh, guys that were major players in this console were still... Are still around, you know, um, you know, Trip Hawkins and, and Peter Moore and those guys. So, um, I, it was really a cool audio book and, and I'm sure that, you know, the regular book is probably just as good. Um, it's called again, called console Wars: Sega Nintendo and the battle that defined a generation. And oddly enough, uh, I know he's been in the news lately, but Seth Rogen has optioned the rights to this book to make a movie about it. So uh, huh. hopefully Kim Jong-un, uh, likes, Sega or Nintendo and we'll let it happen. <laughs> well, as they're Japanese companies, I'm going to guess that's not likely to be the case. Yeah, I guess not. But uh, that's just a guess. We can dream. But yeah, that, it was a really fun book and I learned a lot that I didn't know even having lived through the battle thing uh, back in the day. So, I think I'm up next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first recommendation is from a company called G Project. I believe the G stands for Gorilla because that's their logo. Um, but they make Bluetooth speakers. Um, I think I talked last year actually on this uh, very uh, type of podcast, uh, the sixth annual, What the Do's Want for Christmas, about Bluetooth speakers and how I'd been borrowing my sisters and I really wanted one. Well, my uh, sister got me one for Christmas last year and it worked great until I dropped it on asphalt and it stopped working. So I've been through a couple different ones now, and just the most recent one I've had and the one I've liked the most is the G-Pop from G-Project. And it looks basically, the one I have looks like a black grenade, basically. Um, just about life-size for a grenade. It's a little bit smaller than, a, say, a baseball or something like that. Um, it's a great Bluetooth speaker, really good sound. It only costs me, I, I see it here on the website for 40 bucks. I think I paid like 35 at Target, but... Uh, it's Bluetooth, great sound. It's got volume buttons right on it. It's got a play pause button right on it that will also let you uh, ha- uh, answer and hang up phone calls. And it's also got a uh, microphone inside, so you can use it for conference calls or for speakerphone. I've not actually tried that feature because it's 2015 and I don't make a lot of phone calls, but it's nice that it's there. And this thing is just so convenient to carry around. I actually bought a second one and uh, at my co-host from Jersey Shore, Pierce, actually just bought that one off of me because he liked it so much, and uh, it, it's really, really nice. So I, I, they have a whole bunch of different ones. They're really nice uh, quality. Uh, most of them are, are at least water-resistant. There's one that, you know, at least on the website, claims you can dunk it underwater. It's just fine. It's designed to, like, float in a pool. 
Um, but they make really nice, rugged Bluetooth speakers. And this is not their lowest level one. Their lowest level one doesn't have Bluetooth. It just plugs in a, in a three and a quarter inch jack. Uh, not three and a quarter inch, <laughs> three quarter, seven inch jack. But uh, uh, this is just, it's, it's really fun. This is their second lowest tier, and it's a great speaker. Uh, it's all I need, but they have really nice ones. Kind of classy looking. Yeah, it, it's really sharp. And, it, you know, it can clip right onto a bag. It's got that little, uh, it's got a little tab that lifts up and is a, is a metal ring that you can, you know, use a carabiner on or something like that. Nice. That's pretty nice. Yeah, I like that. And and good sound, which is the most important thing for not that much money. Because while I'm an audiophile, I'm also cheap. So it fills both those niches very nice, very well. Uh, Jim, you cut out. You said something, but I didn't hear what you actually said. I said you got your priorities right. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I guess my second recommendation is, uh, or Jim, did you not go yet? I think I might have gone out of turn. So please. Oh, okay. Continue. My second recommendation uh, is a tablet, and we've come a long way in the world of tablets, uh, and I won't even get into the whole Apple versus Android thing, because I think for, depending on, and now Apple, Android, and, and, and Amazon, uh, but I think depending on your personal situation, uh, I, I, I think either or both, uh, or, or any of the above, I should say, would work fine. Uh, mainly uh, for comic reading, I find I have an Android tablet personally, um, but my wife, I, I bought my wife recently for a birthday a Kindle Fire uh, and have the Comixology app on it, and it works great. Uh, you know, so just comics reading, you know, Comixology uh, as a platform, uh, Humble Bundle as a platform. You know these these things have come such a long way for you to be able to effectively read comics uh, on on a digital device is really impressive, and uh, I, I just think it, it, it it's really it's really come a long way for me. I mean, I've I've pretty much migrated, even though I have ridiculous you know huge physical books, but at this point it's mainly just for collections and and things that are kind of interesting. Uh, it, it's really the um, you know the month-to-month comic side that I've I've gone completely digital, uh, and it's really nice to just have a tablet to read off of. So um, you know if anybody is mildly interested in still getting comics and still reading comics but doesn't have uh, have that, then uh, that would be I, I highly recommend that. Digital is the way to roll, man. Yeah, I mean that's how I read a lot of my single issues nowadays. Um, so, so yeah, I agree. If you can, if you can afford one, you know, it's 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 a great, it's a great convenience. Yeah, and the the Kindle, uh, you know, I have a, I have a lot of issues with Kindle just from, uh, you know, they they run kind of their own version of Android and it doesn't have quite the app support. But if you if you pretty much want something as a reading device, I mean, the Kindle Fire. You can get the six inch for like I think under a hundred bucks. The seven inch uh, is actually has been on sale for like right at one oh nine, um, which is really cool. If you have Prime, they even let you split out the payments with no interest, which is awesome. Um, and and seven inches is, is a pretty decent side to size to read off of. 
Um, you know, so if, if you're just strictly looking as, as something to read off of, you can also watch your Amazon Prime video, which you can't do easily on the Android tablet, uh, watch Netflix and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really kind of a bargain basement price, and, it, and it's actually a, you know, very usable uh, uh, peppy type of, type of device. As far as my last recommendation goes is yet again another book uh, because I love to read. I'm a big fan of music and I'm a big, a big fan of hip hop. Um, there's a book called The Big Payback, The History of the Business of Hip Hop. And um, basically it takes readers from the first $15 made by a rapping DJ in the 1970s New York to the multi-million dollar sales of Fat Farm and Rockaware clothing companies in 2004-2007. Um, on this four-decade-long journey from the studios where the first rap records were made to the boardrooms where big deals were inked, the big, pay, the big payback tallies the list of who lost and who won. Um, you know, it talks about the um, the secret histories of Sugar Hill Records and uh, Grandmaster Flash, um, Run DMC crossing over and breaking through on MTV. Um, you know, the marketing of gangster rap, the, you know, the good and bad of that, and the rise of artist slash entrepreneurship um, in hip hop as well. It's it's a really great book. I have a copy of it. I've actually gave out I actually gave out a copy or two um, as Kindle gifts <coughs> gifts. Um, this uh, this Christmas, and you can right now get the hardcover. Right as of right now, you can get the hardcover for a dollar fifty eight. Um, the paperback uh, you can get for thirteen forty four, and I guess with the um, the hardcover, it's you know because I guess that's just used. But the paperback's only thirteen forty four. The Kindle version is eleven eighty four, and there's even an audio book version of it as well. So. It's a it's a really great book if you if you're if you're curious about the history of the business side of of hip hop music, you can't go wrong with it. It's a it's an incredible read. As a as a bookend to that, not to jump out of turn again, but as a bookend recommendation to that, I have to shout out Ed Pisker's uh, Hip Hop Family Tree Volume One and Two, uh, available as a box set now for the you know the two first issues, and uh, he's the one who turned me on to that book, the Big Payback, actually, because he used it as part of his research. But uh, Hip Hop Family Tree is one of the most genius comics I've ever read. And I hope somebody quotes me and puts me on the back of the box because he did, he deserves a lot of recognition for that comic. It's really, really good stuff. Yeah, really well done. Yeah, I definitely have to give uh, give props to Ed Pisker for that. It, it is a great it is a great book. And, and, um, and oh, by the way, thank you, Dennis Poo. Dennis Poo sent me volumes one and two for Christmas. So thank you. If you're listening to this right now, thank you, sir. Yeah, I just like the the choices he made, like the the paper stock in the early seventy or in the seventies edition, is the paper stock he would have used in a comic book in the seventies, and the even the the color palette um, when they first you know use base, um, they they uh, they mess up the separation between the lettering and the and the coloring, and at first you think, wow, my book is all messed up, I should send this back, but no, it was a conscious conscious choice on his part, you know, it's a. I just uh, it's just so smart in so many ways people you know at first re- first reading of that book you really don't notice but then looking back at it again the second or third time you you know a lot of thought went into that and a lot of a lot of craft so Jordan you want to do your your last one sure uh, so my last recommendation is gonna sound like a joke but it's not Um 
I have a tendency to wear my shoes until they're ragged because, again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm cheap. And as long as, you know, the shoes are doing their job, I don't care what they look like or how dirty they are, that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I was noticing recently that, man, every time I even stepped in just the tiniest puddle, we're talking like, you know, an, an eighth of an inch of a puddle. My feet were getting soaked, and it was really annoying me. I was like, oh, I guess, you know, these shoes are a year too old. I need to get a new pair of shoes. And then finally I took off my pair of shoes one day and realized there was a hole in each of the shoes right through the sole um, just because I hadn't noticed. But I went to the store and got a cheap pair of shoes, the cheapest pair they had, and they happened to be um, slip-ons. And I got to say, I recommend for adults slip-on shoes because I don't know what the technology breakthrough was in the last 10, 15 years. But these are not like the slip-on shoes I had as a little kid or the Velcro shoes or that kind of stuff before, you know, quote-unquote real shoes with laces. But uh, now that I have slip-on shoes, I don't know why any adult wastes their time with, uh, you know, tying their shoes because it's just ridiculous. And these are so much more comfortable. So buy some slip-on shoes for an adult you know. Good, good footwear is no joke, my friend. Um, when I was working as a chef, I used to favor skateboarding shoes because oh, a, yeah. they, they were slip on and b they're super duper comfortable. Um, so yeah, no joke. But if you want slip on shoes that don't look like slippers or whatever, you know, get some Vans or get some Airwalks. You know. Nice. Uh, British Knights. <laughs> <laughs> BK. I will. Uh... <laughs> My last recommendation, I will I will stick with the I will follow Mr. Pryor's lead and, and give a book recommendation. Um, it's it's a book. I actually listened to the audiobook. I've uh, I'm in the process of moving out from the the rural hinterlands of South Central Texas uh, back to uh, my home of 20 years prior, uh, Houston, Texas, and. Uh, my wife is already there. She's already working. Um, so it's just been this weird commute back and forth between um, where I live, where I work in Austin, and Houston. So um, lots of time on the road, uh, lots of time back and forth, and I was looking for a decent audiobook. And I've, I heard uh, just from other podcasts I listened to uh, a lot of talk about this. Uh, so I decided to give it a try, and it's a book called The Martian by Andy Weir. And it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the The premise behind the behind the Martian is uh, it's some indeterminate time in the future. Uh, Earth has started to um, send out manned missions to Mars, and this is the third mission to Mars. Uh, and the way they handle a lot of this is they pre-supply Mars with a lot of equipment and a lot of different. Um, Things and there's a lot of really cool ways that they go about um, making these uh, missions somewhat self-sufficient. Uh, and through a strange twist of fate, one of the crew—it's a six-person crew—and uh, on the fifth day of the mission, one of the crew members, uh, a big storm blows through. The crew member is presumed dead when he is in fact not dead, and uh, the crew has to leave. And they strand this crew member on Mars. Uh, and you know, immediately he thinks he's completely screwed and it's, it, it's not very like the, the audio book is about 10 and a half hours. So I'm guessing the book is probably like 250 pages ish. Um, but it's just really awesome how the detail that the author goes through in 
showing how this how this guy tries to survive and all the crazy things that he has to do and jerry rig together uh to survive this uh and it's a lot of it is told in like a diary style so it's like you know day one you know i'm screwed you know this is what i'm going to do and it and it's um it has some adult language in it but it's really funny i mean the guy really you know he, he tries to bring a sense of humor through uh and then parts of the book are told via the people on Earth. Um, I don't think it's a real spoiler, but once once NASA figures out that the guy is still alive, uh, and and how they go about trying to work both ends to to either get him home safely, or to to mount a rescue mission. Um, there's a lot of high concept science stuff in this. I mean, the guy really did his homework. In you know, um, there's a lot of crazy math that that he goes through, and it's very detailed, and it's all like. You know, the volume of this space is this big, and if I do this, you know, for this amount of time and then have these tanks that hold this volume of this liquid or this gas, then I can manufacture, you know, air, and it's it's really, really involved, but it, it's just fascinating um, to go through it. I think on Amazon, the Kindle version is like three bucks. It's like ridiculously cheap. Um, and, and like I said, I picked up the audio book. I've heard that the movie is being optioned. Which I think this would be a fantastic movie. It's almost kind of like, uh, you know, be, in the vein of like, in space, yeah. yeah, yeah, basically Robinson Crusoe, you know, kind of gravity, a little bit of gravity thrown in, I guess. Um, Reminds me of the book I grew up reading, Hatchet, um, where a kid gets stranded in the in the wilderness in like Canada yeah. for a, for a summer and has to live on his own and and do kind of the same thing without the math, which was good because I was a kid and screw math. Yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I heard um, uh, Adam Savage talking about this and singing its praises. It, and uh, you, you are not the first I've heard, but you're definitely a trusted voice in in uh, in books like this. It, yeah, it was just mesmerizing. I mean, I was listening to the audiobook, and I, I'm probably actually going to go back through and, and buy the Kindle version just so I can actually take my time and read it um, because it was just fascinating. Like I, I would find myself like getting to my destination, and I'd hang out for like a minute in the car to get to a decent stopping point because it. It was just fascinating, um, so I, I can't recommend that enough. And what's the name of that again? It's called The Martian, by Andy Weir. Okay, cool. Thank you. That was that was all I had for my uh, recommendations. Anybody else have anything they want to recommend, or we are we recommended out? You know, I do have one more that I just thought of um, on uh, the most recent episode of Jersey Shore, which isn't out yet because I'm still editing it. But so we were talking about things we've socks. been. <laughs> no, although I think last year I said fun socks, and I I think I got some fun socks last year, which was nice. But uh, uh, we talked about things we've been doing, reading, watching, listening to that kind of stuff, and playing recently. And one of the things I talked about was the video game The Binding of Isaac. And I talked about how I got back into it because the remake just came out recently, uh, The Binding of Isaac Rebirth. But then I was having a lot of fun playing the original. Well, I happened to look on Steam yesterday and see that uh, because of their winter sale, The Binding of Isaac Rebirth was on sale for like 33% off, which made only like 10 bucks. And so I picked that up and I've been playing it pretty much nonstop aside from, you know, editing podcasts uh, since then. And it is a great game. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for uh, the easily offended or strongly religious. It's kind of a top-down roguelike uh, Zelda-type game 
that uh, is inspired by the biblical story, The Binding of Isaac. And uh, for those who, like me, were raised in that life but are no longer part of it and uh, enjoy some irreverent humor and, and, and blackly comic things, uh, The Binding of Isaac and The Binding of Isaac Rebirth are really, really fun and very difficult video games that are very uh, deep. It's been really cool this year how there have been these great indie games that are coming out that are using the mechanics from classic games, but like putting a twist on them, like Binding of Isaac, or I'm thinking of like Shovel Knight or sure. Spelunky. Um, I mean, these classic, like those are both like classic run and jump games, but they, you know, they put a new twist on them and, and they're, you know, everything old is new again. Uh, there's been a whole spate of indie games like that this year. They've been really cool. Um, but yeah, Shovel Knight was great. I recommend that along the same lines. I have just purchased The Martian by Andy Weir from uh, the iBook store. Eight ninety nine. Better be worth it, Russ. It will be. <laughs> All right, so do we want to go through, I guess now, if everybody's done with their recommendations, uh, we can we could do some, some things we can't afford. Jordan, why don't you go okay. first with the things we can't afford? All righty. So this one is kind of goofy. I'll admit it right now. And I don't even know where I would put this thing if I got it. But I've just put it in the chat so you can see it yourself. It is a lar- slightly larger than life-sized Guardians of the Galaxy Rocket Raccoon statue. <clears throat> uh, thing runs. I've seen it. It's still in pre-order. It's going to be a very limited edition. But it that runs awesome. from 330 to $400. Uh, it's, uh, what did it say here? It's, uh, it's I'm looking through the details because it said exactly what it's made of, but it's uh, they they, used it for, they made it from the actual digital files that they used to make the movie, and it's made from foam rubber and, and some other stuff, and, and you know hand painted all that kind of stuff. It's gorgeous. Like I said, I don't know where the hell I'd put this thing, but it is really really cool Ooh. and just just a gorgeous statue. You better get it while it's on sale, Jordan. <laughs> This is one of those if I won the lottery type items, right? Because I'd need I'd need a room just for this. Yeah, it's <laughs> the a, rocket room. It's only three feet tall, so you know it doesn't take up. It, it wouldn't. <laughs> There's no room in my in my tiny little room here. Gotcha. It, <laughs> it it wouldn't need as much room as I think from years past. I think I one of the things I wanted was like a life size Han Solo frozen in carbonite. So uh, <laughs> wouldn't take up. Now quite that what much I space. really need though to go with this is the life size Groot. Oh yes. That I can stand on the shoulders of. Yes. Uh, Mr. Pryor? Uh, sure. Um, things uh, I, I know I, I can't afford right now. Um, I would, you know what? I would really like an Xbox One. I can't afford that. I can't. I know. I know it. That's, that's it's within reach. You know, for, for most, it's within reach as far as price goes. I mean, it's not ludicrous, but it is around the same price as that Rocket Raccoon statue. So, or. or uh, <laughs> So I, I I will. You don't I need will, as much space for it, though. Yeah, well, yeah, that is different. There is room <laughs> for an Xbox One. Yes, very true, very true. But I, I cannot afford such a such an item right now. So uh, so I would have to I would have to say that for sure. And I, I do have to finally also give a Microsoft props to for finally conceding and putting a Blu-ray player inside the Xbox One as opposed to the 360 where they were adamant that uh, HD DVD would be the way to go. I've still got my, uh, HDD, hey, I've still got my HDD, uh, HD DVD player. 
plug-in, and I still have some HD yes. DVDs. Okay. I. It's funny enough. Well, I, I got, an, no, I I got into an argument at work with a guy over HD DVD versus Blu-ray because he was utterly convinced that HD DVD was going to kill Blu-ray because of the whole mm-hmm. Xbox 360 thing. And I told him he was nuts and why. And he just he was adamant that I was crazy. This was a recent argument? <laughs> no, this was okay. this was oh, back okay. when all this was going on. This is, you know, like okay. 2007. So it was just really funny. Yeah, well, when you, when you right. had all the formats available. Yeah, you were. Yeah, yeah definitely. Definitely. So, so yeah. So, uh, no, I would have to say an Xbox One. Nice. Good choice. Jim? That would be one of my choices, too. But I decided to go big this year. I remember reading earlier on this year, like back in the spring, about um, in Greenwich, Connecticut. I just put the link in the, the Skype box uh, of a Batman-themed home theater. Oh, yeah. $2.5 million theater. Um, there has been a few delays along the way, according to Elite HTS, uh, the people that are making it. But, uh, I mean, it's got everything. It's got four full full bat suits. It's got a, a, a wall that fades away to show the tumbler on the garage. Um, it's got a, uh, a fireplace with the giant, you know, bat and emblem over the Wayne family crest. It's got a giant back computer area at one end of the theater. It seats, it looks like it seats about 14, 15 people in beautiful uh, um, uh, leatherback chairs. Uh, like I said, 2.5, 2.5 mil to blow. This is probably what I would spend it on. And then I'd probably do a, you know, a Star Wars themed one in the other part of the house. So... Thank goodness I'm not a re- re- really really rich, you know. But yeah, they've been. Uh, it says <laughs> it says it's been uh, two years of construction on this, and uh, again, you guys can see the pictures. I, I just put the link up in the, in Skype. It's just crazy. Really, yeah, that's really incredible. That's, that's madness. That is absolute madness. It's beautiful, but that's that's madness. Yeah, wow. but the bookcase uh, slides away to show the tumbler, a full tumbler sitting on the garage. Uh. <laughs> wow. I guess they're also doing wow. an Iron Man themed uh, theater as well. Of course. Why someone not? else, some other rich person. But yeah, that's the one I can't afford. And I have to go with you on the Xbox One too, um, Sean. I'd really, uh, I would like to, uh, you know, pony up the cash, but you know, I have to buy things like diapers. So I got the diaper. You can money. reuse old newspaper for that. You don't need to buy anything. <laughs> then the newsprint gets on their skin and stuff, and it's hard to watch. Good way to save the stories. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my my Kids rec- are just human silly buddy. That's all. Yeah, mm. my recommendation and things we can't afford, um, is, and I think I've I probably put something like this on there in the past, um, but what, it'd be really awesome. Uh, Hot Toys does ridiculous, lifelike, expensive figures, and they've been trickling out the armors from Iron Man three. So I think I think there's at least four or five of them that are out uh, now, and they're just really awesome, and they would make awesome display pieces uh, to put up. Um, but at two to three hundred bucks a pop, uh, way 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 out of my league. Um, and I I have the crazy collector mentality, so I couldn't even even if I could afford to splurge on one, I couldn't do it because. If I got one, I would have to. I would feel compelled uh, to buy the rest, and that's just <laughs> not a path I can. I can go down, or I'd lose my mind. Uh, I'm lucky. I, I follow uh, Pat Loika on uh, on Facebook. 
Yeah. Uh, he does the Leukomania podcast. He's like the unofficial ambassador of San Diego Comic-Con. He's a really cool guy. And uh, he has a veritable hot toys addiction. And he's always posting pictures of the latest hot toys that he has bought. And they are incredible. And I I can only live vicariously through his photos because there's no way I could drop $300 on a toy. Yeah. And still, I'd still be married. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so... But yeah, I agree. They they are. I mean, I don't. I feel bad calling them toys because they're. I mean, they're statues. I mean, yeah, they're, they're beautiful. They're posable statues. They really are. I mean, you know, they're like they have the you know the different heads you can switch on the different hands, and then that Hall of Armor set, uh, the yeah. Hot Toys put together of of, yeah. of like all the armors in the in the um, Tony Stark Hall of Armor. I mean, I don't even want to know how much that is. Yeah, they even did the one. There, there's a Tony Stark figure from Iron Man three where he has like the makeshift glove and the, you know, it's it's just really really cool. But uh, I think if I had to if I if I had to buy one where I could get away without it being ridiculous, uh, would be like one of the Captain Americas, probably from the first Avenger, the World War two era outfit or something like that. Uh, that I could probably do without feeling compulsed to uh, to buy every other one. But uh, but yeah, so that's that's my that in the uh, the thing we talked about earlier, the Secret Wars box set. Uh, mm-hmm. I just don't think I could I could I could spring for that, but that would be really uh, really cool. Oh, there's no have. way, there's no way I could afford that yeah. either. But it would be really cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, so that's that's our 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 big three categories. Uh, so now we do have our our two lightning rounds that th- these are always fun to do. Um, so what do you say we go through and each of us. We'll, we'll start with the. Why don't we start with the naughty list so we can end on a high note? Um, and so why don't we have each of us just kind of run through our naughty list instead of uh, going the Ron Robin style? Uh, we'll just all kind of get it off our chests at once. Maybe we'll maybe we'll feel a little bit better uh, about ourselves getting getting the negativity out of out of the way. Jordan, why don't you go first this time? I'm going to go with cyber terrorists. <laughs> They're pretty naughty, especially recently. Um, not getting into news or politics or that kind of thing. But yeah, just be nice to each other, people. Don't be dirt- jerks. Let's have our silly Seth Rogen movies, for God's sake. <laughs> Come on. Anything um, else? I w- oh. Not really. No. Mr. Pryor? I like to dwell All on right. the positive. Um, you know, you know, my my naughty list is, and this is something I, I may have said this a number of times over the years, but like, as as geek has become more chic, I put that in air quotes, um, over like the last uh, last few years, there's like this. So many people have this un- unbridled sense of entitlement, and it's out of control, and it's out of hand, and I'm tired of it. And I'm tired of the attitudes that go with it because, you know, you're not owed any of this. You know what I mean? It's the stuff is popular right now. It, it makes money. So that's why you you have it. Um, and when it doesn't make money anymore, guess what? It's going to be gone and it's going to, and it will go back to the way it was 30 years ago. But I don't see that happening for at least another few years easily. But um. I mean, we're getting to the point now where we are criticizing trailers 
trailers. Mm-hmm. We are criticizing yeah. teaser, trailers. teaser trailers, not even real trailers. Yeah, yeah, teaser yeah. trailers. Yeah, and you know, covers. Yes, yes, like it's gone that far, and I'm like, yo, this is why a lot of folks can't stand geeks, man, because like it goes too far. Like the, the cats that make those articles, five things wrong with. 10 ways they could have fixed this and everything just i'm you know what like why your favorite movie sucks yes Mm. yes like all that stuff like all that entitled snarky yeah exactly i I can't deal with it and i'm like these are all the cats that got shoved into lockers way back when and now like to make up for the do crap like this and I, I can't deal with it you know and I, 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 and I don't click on it and i just let it be but still you can't escape it even if you didn't want to like the only way you can escape it is if you turn off the internet and i'm just like really tired of those attitudes I you know I, I, I really am I, I i'm really i'm really tired of those attitudes you think after so, us, um, you know you think after geeks being you know excluded for so long that they'd be the last person to exclude or, or denounce anybody i mean Think of those long, dry periods where, you know, all we had as far as, like, sci-fi and superhero TV was, like, Shazam and, uh, God, you know, Nicholas Hammond Spider-Man show and, you know, stuff like that. And, I mean, now we, we're in this, like, incredible age and none of us ever thought we'd see, at least I didn't, you know. We're getting Avengers feature films. I mean, for God's sake, we're getting a Suicide Squad movie, for Pete's sake. I mean, you know, what are you bitching about? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I know exactly what you're talking about. Like on on DC TV podcast, somebody posted this review on io9, and usually, you know, io9 is pretty pretty fair handed or whatever. But um, you know, they dissed on the um the crossover between the Flash and Arrow, and Mm -hmm. I mean that's listed on IMDb as like a nine point nine among three thousand critics and stuff. And like you said, it's just clickbait. You just get mad. You're like, well, what do they have to say bad about that? And you just click on it to find out, and then you know they've got your hit. That's all they care about. Right. Yeah. So that that's that's kind of like and I got other things, too, but I'm going to keep it right. I'm just going to keep it right there. So. uh, So, yeah, that's me. Hmm. Jim, I got a couple of naughties. Okay. first of all, the makers of the Terminator Genesis trailer. I I, my only response to you is to shake my head. Um, the people, <laughs> the people that decided to cancel Utopia on Channel Four in Britain, such a brilliant show. Oh, yeah. it's one of the smartest TV shows I've ever seen in my life, and they canceled it after the second season of you know not nearly enough episodes. So that was naughty. And the uh, the episode of Gotham that featured the Balloon Man, <laughs> that was naughty. So bring me your wrist. <laughs> Let me slap your wrist. Bad. Bad. So first on my naughty list is game our game studios, and we've just had some really bad behavior, in my opinion, with game studios from the Halo Anniversary Collection having all those crazy issues out of the box um, to you know things like Battlefield Four, which I, I still don't think they've fi- they've officially fixed everything related to that, and that that's a holdover from last year. What about Assassin's Creed Unity? They needed a 40 gig patch or something? Yeah. They, they shipped a fundamentally broken game? Yeah, the frame rate issues are just like terrible on it. Um, we've seen a lot of... And, and this is kind of a good, a good with the bad situation. Um, we've seen a ton of just next-gen ports. 
You know, it's like they're going back to the well on the previous generation and just souping up, you know, just putting better assets in and re-releasing, you know, games. And, and anything new and original uh, has been pushed out to, to 2015. So it just seems like it's, you know, I, I don't know the ins and outs behind it. I mean, it could be, you know, the consoles were, you know, the dev kits were so late, you know, for the next gen consoles and and developers didn't just didn't have time um or whatever but it just seems like because of because games and consoles are so internet connected anymore that it's almost like the mentality is just get it out we'll patch it later um people will deal with it and i i just think that's just a really um crappy mentality i mean i i've worked in the software development industry not as a developer but but just for software companies for you know, almost 20 years, you know, the, the lion's share of my professional career. And when things like that happen, it just makes me shake my head because I, you know, I, I understand the ins and outs of how software is developed and, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the industry doesn't, doesn't really matter. I mean, you know, developing software is developing software. Um, and stuff like that just really, really makes me shake my head because, uh, they know they know it when it ships. It's not like this is any kind of uh, secret or surprise when they ship this stuff out. And there's there's so many problems with it. But it just seems like it's a worsening trend, not a not a trend that's that's declining. And I mean, the, one of the reasons I became a console gamer is that I didn't have to deal with patches later. Yeah, like a lot of PC games had you know that have that issue. But now it's you know, it's a two way street. I mean, they're they're shipping fundamentally broken games that they know will not play without you know these fixes. And then you know to get to to make their schedule. You know, to, I mean that Halo Master Chief Collection that was Microsoft Studios' big you know release for this season. So you know for the, they had to get it out on time. You know whether you know it worked or not. And now there's talk of a class action suit against Ubisoft. Uh, because you know their Assassin's Creed Unity is so broken, yeah, uh, that they fundamentally were selling. You know, they are getting charged with fraud for selling a fundamentally broken game. So, yeah, a huge problem this year. And then second on my naughty list is Best Buy for their limited, their highly limited release of steel books for big releases. Uh, uh, kind of like like Johnny M. I'm a I'm a huge. Uh, a, I, I buy not quite as many as he does, but but quite a few Blu-rays. I love crazy collector sets. I like, um, you know, the more collectible aspects of some of these things. Um, and Best Buy has done a pretty good job lately of getting these exclusive Steelbook editions. Uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier was one recently that that was in really really short supply. Um, and Guardians of the Galaxy was another one, and and it, it amounted to I think. Most stores may be getting less than a dozen copies um, of of the movie, and and knowing what a hit that movie was, and how much everybody loved it, to to really short sell the, or short stock those things, really just kind of burn my burn my butt, you know, you know, get into the store shortly after they open, and the, you know, the clerk saying, oh yeah, we sold out of all those within the first hour, um, you know, just just really, you know. Come on, up the print run a little bit. I mean, I, I understand you. It's not you know they they want to try and get people in the store and gin up interest and you know it is collectible, so you got to kind of move on it. But if you get to the store that day or even you know within a couple few hours of it opening, you should be able to to get some of these. Um, so that 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 that's that's my my second item on the naughty list. Who's next? Is that is that everybody? That's all the uh, naughty. That's everybody for the naughty. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's that's all, all right. Yeah. 
So let's finish up with the nice list. So again, Jordan, we'll we'll go in the same order. So you you go first. All right. Well, not to jump on anybody's toes, but let me start off by saying you guys um, and all the the hosts and co-hosts and guest hosts and everybody else at HHWLOD.com. But beyond that, um, I think our our listeners deserve to be on the nice list as well this year. We've been through uh, a lot of changes in the past year, lots of brand new shows, lots moving around. um, And some of the shows like this one kind of fall by the wayside from time to time as we have so little free times in our lives and we're recording so many different shows, but you know, you know, our listeners deserve to be on the nice list for sticking with us and checking out all the brand new shows and all the brand new content and articles and all that kind of stuff, you know, and supporting us as we make lots of, uh, lots of little changes and try to bring you the best shows we possibly can. So, um, uh, Merry Christmas to all you guys and to all you hosts as well. Agreed. Well you said people. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yes. And, you know, my family and stuff like that, too. They're cool. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? I think uh, I think Mr. Pryor's um, next. I, okay, I'll go ahead and go. Um, you know what? Um, you know, I guess, uh, like, for my nice list, you know, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off of what uh, Jordan's saying, you know, like, especially uh, to you guys, you know, for hosting the, you know, the Black Box podcast, which is now in its fifth year. Um, which is something that is, oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It hit its, it hit its fifth year back in November. And that's something I really thought would never happen. It was something I wouldn't really, I wasn't really thinking about and how the show's transitioned to what it is now, uh, you know, as inf- infrequent as it is at times, um, what it is now uh, is completely different than what it was when it first started. But, um, you know, I, you know, I thank HWLOD for, for giving the show a home. And, uh, you know, and also I, I thank the listeners and whatnot. And, you know, and, and I also thank those every day that are out there just really just trying to put, you know, bring light to like a world that loves to act, you know, very dark and snarky and and smarmy all the time, you know, and because like that type of attitude can spread like a virus and nothing good comes from it. And then we can't enjoy anything or have nice things because of it. But but to those out there that are really trying to do good in the world and and really spread the the qualities that are needed for us to survive and be a better society, I give props to y'all because it's a hard job. Trust me, it's a hard job. It's real easy to just fall into that cynical line of thinking and and be that part of my French asshole. Um, but. You know, I, I give I give props and respect to those who really are trying to do something and make this place a better place for everybody. Um, and that's that's how I feel. And then that's where I'll leave it. Well said, mm-hmm. Jim. Uh, it reminds me of a scene in Preacher with Jesse Custer and his dad when Jesse's a little boy. He's like, Daddy, why do I have to be a good man? And Jesse's dad says, because there's way too many of the other kind. Uh, so piggyback off what you said, Sean, and not only the, the co-hosts and everybody here at HHLWLOD.com, but the listeners, especially, I mean, they're the, they're the reason why we keep doing this. Every time 
I have to stay up till two in the morning because uh, I am uh, Jack. You know, won't go to sleep or whatever, and I'm in here trying to edit a podcast while he's crying on my on my lap, or uh, you know, or whenever I have to like uh, try to navigate my way through HTML that I have no idea what I'm doing to try to post a new podcast, or you know, any of the little things we 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 you know, we have to do to keep the you know the network going or whatever. Um, it's always the listeners I think of, and that's uh, definitely want to make sure they're at the top of the nice list, even more than you know everybody who provides content and everybody who edits and everything else. Uh, the listeners and the people who contribute to our Facebook groups and everything like that is it's really where it's at for me. Um, also on the nice list this year, I wanted to um, <clears throat> put Mr. George Miller on the nice list for that awesome, awesome Mad Max trailer. Yes, uh, I cannot wait. I. Yeah, I that was- as hyped as I am for Age of Ultron and as hyped as I am for Star Wars, after I saw that trailer, that's that's where it's at for me next year. That's my number one. Um, I definitely uh, want to also shout out on the nice list. Oh, I had something written here. I would like to thank the Academy. <laughs> um, but just, yeah, main, mainly uh, I just want to thank all, all our friends uh, and, and family on HHLOD, put all those on the nice list, and... Uh, you know, hopefully you'll stick with us and like you have, and uh, we really appreciate the support and listenership. So, not to put too fine a point on it. Agreed. Amen. Agreed. Yes. So yeah, like you know, like everybody, like everybody eloquently put before me, you know, definitely, you know, my fellow co-hosts, our listeners, uh, you know, I I think it's easy to take all that for granted, um, and I think it's it's worth it's worth calling out. So. So kudos to you guys for doing that. I've got a, I've got a few things on my nice list. Uh, one of them is HBO, and I will say the reason I put HBO is on the nice list is they are starting in 2015, going to offer people uh, the ability to pay for HBO without having a cable subscription. Now this may lead to them being on the naughty list next year if they charge thirty to forty dollars a month for it. But <laughs> um, but I'm going to maintain. I'm going to maintain uh, positivity uh, and put them on the nice list for that because I think um, it, it's it's a huge thing and I think it's it's really gonna uh, I, I think we're starting to see a turning of the tide in how we consume um, entertainment media and and start a, and and how things are going to be transformed and how the cable system and the broadcast television system is going to have to adapt and adjust. Uh, to this, and I think, uh, you know, with services like Netflix and like Amazon um, offering original content, HBO has been offering original content for a long time. Um, but to finally break away from that cable system and allow people to to pay for it a la carte is, you know, is is a big deal. And and sooner than I thought, I thought we were still a good two to three years away from that. Something that's pretty interesting to me is kind of flown under the radar. CBS now has a digital. Yeah, uh, I think it's called CBS Choice or something, um, where you can access like a lot of their back catalog plus their current shows. And you know, there even even the major networks now are, are trying to follow the Netflix and the Amazon Prime model. So yeah. Oh, so CBS that CBS app is available now. Mm-hmm. Huh. I yep. forget the price though. It's like is it seven bucks a month or nine bucks a month or something? Something like that. that. It's under ten. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure, but I, I have it on a trial basis right now. And it's it's pretty cool. I mean, uh, it's a lot of this the CBS stuff isn't available on Hulu, so it really helps me out because I watch pretty much everything I watch on TV either from Hulu or or Netflix. So, 
Yeah, so it'll be interesting. And the other interesting thing is they're going to allow uh, Major League Baseball's uh, streaming service to provide the to pr- provide that end of it. So uh, Major League Baseball, oddly enough, is kind of like this recognized leader in being able to provide live content, live streaming content um, to a large number of people without a lot of hiccups. Uh, they they're the ones that provide uh, streaming services for the WWE Network. Um, and I'm thinking that they may follow the WWE's model for HBO and that they may make it a somewhat affordable price, like maybe $15. I, I don't see it going below $15, um, but maybe the $10 to $15 uh, dollars a month range, but require like a six to eight month, eight month or 12 or month subscription, like, you know, that you'd have to commit to that to get that price. Because you know, one of the things HBO has to worry about is people signing up to watch Game of Thrones for two months and then dropping it off. Um, right. So I could easily see that happening because that's that's the way that uh, the WWE does it. And then, of course, with Major League Baseball itself, when you when you buy the 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 MLB ticket or whatever it is, you typically pay for the whole season up front and they give you a pretty good discount on it as opposed to going month to month, which is usually pretty pricey. Um, so, again, kudos to HBO. Um, the other, the other person, this is a person that, that made my nice list. Um, and that's Chris Pratt and not just for, uh, making guardians of the galaxy. I think the movie that for those of us that love it, um, the movie that it was, but he really kind of embraced, I guess, maybe a sense of responsibility, uh, with that role. Um, you know, just reading the stories leading up to the movie's release and then after about how many times he went to children's hospitals, how many times he went, you know, to various places unannounced um, and and, you know, let kids watch the screenings and signed autographs and posed for pictures and all of that stuff. And, and again, most of it under the radar. I mean, word got out and, you know, we read about it in the news, but the, the intention I never got was that it was a publicity stunt. Um, and for somebody, you know, to kind of take that on, uh, in that way and just kind of bring, bring that, that joy and that happiness, um, you know, especially to kids and sick kids, um, to me just really, really touched me. Um, and, and it, it, it gives me hope that, um, you know, celebrities aren't just a bunch of over entitled a-holes, um, you know, that, that, that they can, you know, do things that are, you know, that are good and that that you know really make make people's lives better and happier uh, without there being you know an ulterior motive attached to it. So I just I, I think that was that was worthy of of calling out. Anything else? No, I think we're good. I think we're cool. All right. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of this. You know, these episodes tep- typically go long. We we usually have a lot to say, a lot to talk about, a lot to recommend, uh, especially. With Sean, since we we catch up um, far too infrequently, but but these episodes are a good are a good chance for us to kind of chat uh, for a little bit. Yes, yes they are. Uh, yes they are indeed, indeed. Um, thanks again for having having me on, guys. I I appreciate it, and uh, you know just trying to keep the tradition going. Yeah, you know I don't I never I never want to miss one of these. So so thank you so much. You are our personal Santa. Yes. So, and if you if you uh, enjoy the Velvet Tones of Sean Parr, definitely check them out on the Black Box on HHWLOD. It's one of the best podcasts out there, bar none. 
Yeah, I mean, so, everybody, I, I listen to other podcasts and stuff, and the one thing that always gets mentioned is the 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 episode you did i guess it's been it's been a while now is it was it the is it was it the top 20 or the top 10 um oh, oh greatest oh, hip hop the, the top oh the uh, the top 4 uh, like i think it was like the top 40 something or from complex or top, i think yes. yeah the complex list yes. about about like top r&b albums of the 90s or yes. something like that yes yes yeah that that was a monster of an episode to put yes. together like me and Julian sat down and recorded for almost five hours straight. Yeah, wow. yeah. And uh, and that took forever to edit. And because originally I was I wasn't going to put that out as a whole episode. I was going to break it down into chunks. And he was like, "No, you have to give them the the full block. This is an <laughs> education." <laughs> and and he said, "You got to do it that way." I was like, "Okay," and I did it. And still, the, I put it to you like this, guys. I, there were still people. Even months after that episode had yes. aired, yes. like they were still talking about it on Facebook, and yes. I and I, I would get thrown into the conversation. I'm like, wait a minute, y'all still talking about this for real? <laughs> you know, and it and it and it blows my mind. You, you, you know, so um, and Julian and I were going to do that again, uh, very soon. It'll probably be sometime in January when that episode drops. But uh, I got an episode coming out in, in, um, very soon for December. Um, it's an interview with a gentleman by the name of Brandon Easton, who is uh, an Eisner-nominated uh, comic book writer. He's also written for television. Um, he's also a director. He, he's done a couple of documentaries, um, and it's talking about like um, you know you know minorities in the comic business and things like that. And it was it was a pretty honest and open conversation, and I, I just hope people dig it, um, you know, because we need to talk about this stuff. And I like the fact that, yeah, man, the show's different. Like, we could talk about music. We could talk about, you know, the comic book business. We could talk about anything. And um, and hopefully, you know, people get something out of it. And the fact that people still listen, like I said, man, it blows my mind. It really does. It really does. It amazes me to no end. I really liked that episode, too, where you went back over the old mixtape. <sighs> Man, that was just <laughs> that, like there uh, was there was like a lot of truth in that episode. A lot of I mean a lot of uh, emotion, and it just it was really it seemed very heartfelt for me and very genuine, and I really appreciated that. Oh, oh, you're welcome. You know that was in all sincerity. I'd never done anything like that before. Like you know, I have a tendency to be a very I keep a lot of things to myself. Uh, you know, but like I with that, I just wanted to do that at least one time. Um. You know, it just felt like it needed to be done. And, and yeah, that's, that probably was the most honest episode I've ever made. Um, so, so yeah, man, it's, but, you know, y'all gave me this platform to do it. So without y'all, the podcast would probably no longer be a thing. So, uh, so again, thank you guys. And, um, and like I said, I love doing this and being a part of this. So, so uh, thank you. No, our pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. So with that, um, I guess as we bring things to kind of a close here, uh, it's been a while since we got, like we said, since we got an LOD episode. I know we keep saying we're going to go back um, and get out the remainder of the Hickman FF uh, episodes. So maybe with a little bit of a TV hiatus over the next month, maybe we can uh, maybe we can get a couple in the can and, and spread them out. Uh, and the, the other thing that's kind of been on the back burner for a while is the final lock and key episode. So we've got, uh, alpha and Omega to talk about, 
Um, and I, it, I know the last couple episodes we've done of LOD, we've talked about going back to that well. Uh, so again, hopefully between the, uh, the winter hiatus and the walking dead, not coming back till February, we might be able to, to, to sneak a couple in there, which, which is my hope. Cause I'm, I'm, uh, I'm anxious to talk about comics. The TV stuff is great. Uh, we get a lot of uh, really positive feedback from folks when we do, you know, the, the TV shows that we do, which, which seem to be multiplying all the time. Um, but I, I miss the comic talk and, and it's been a while since we've done that. So, uh, so hopefully we'll get to crank a couple of those out over the next few months. So, uh, pay attention to that. The best thing to do is just hit that master feed, uh, because it, it pretty much has a little bit of everything, uh, going on. So, uh, definitely check out hhwlod.com for all the cool stuff that we've got, um, all the great podcasts that we have, uh, the Facebook uh, groups uh, for for the HHWLOD podcast network um, as well. And then again, like I said, keep an eye on the YouTube channel uh, and the website as well because I think I'll have that, uh, that Tashin uh, unboxing up there. Uh, hopefully I can, I can crank that out over the Christmas break, uh, which would be fun. Uh, so until next time, uh, Mr. Pryor, uh, is there anything you want to plug? Anything you want to want to shout out uh, to the folks out there where they can find you and um, and what you got going on? Sure. Um, you know, if you want to find me on Twitter, that's normally the, be- the best place to find me. Um, that's uh, Sean S H A W N, the letter R R Pryor P R Y O R at Sean R Pryor. It's the best place to find me. Um, right now, uh, I am in the midst of uh, what I like to call a personal rebuild. So, like, I don't have too much to plug right now. I do have the podcast, The Black Box, uh, that, um, that, you know, I'm sure most of your listeners on the HHWLOD podcast network um, are aware of. Um, also, if you want to give some love uh, to uh, Action Lab Entertainment, uh, if you want to buy Action Lab comics, uh, the, you know, we, I am still a uh, co-founder. Um, I'm no longer in the administrative side of it. Um, but I still give them my support and love and you should too. They make really great comics. And if, uh, if you can't get them in your stores, your comic book stores, you can get them digitally at comiXology, go to comiXology.com, buy them there. Um, so, so yeah. So like, you know, check those things out and I'm planning, I'm planning for my future. Um, and, uh, slowly but surely I'm trying to get some things together, but I can't say anything just yet because I want to make sure the stuff gets done. first. Cool. To be continued. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, that about does it uh, again. So, uh, again, thanks, Sean, for, for being on, making it seven in a row. Uh, and next year, we, we, uh, we'll make sure it's eight in a row. Sounds good to me. Thank you. And uh, we'll, we'll see you next time on The Long Box of Doom, where hopefully we will be talking about uh, Mr. Hickman's FF some more. Woohoo! Yes. So long, everybody. Have a good one. Bye, humbug.